This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. For a free trial and 10% off, visit Squarespace.com and enter offer code COOKIE at checkout. A better web starts with your website. I'm Matthew. And I'm Molly. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. Today, we are talking about a topic that it's hard to describe. We're talking about non-tomato pasta sauces. Like, where do we begin? Where do we end? This is maybe just part one of this discussion. I think it has to be like part one of 50 because, well... Maybe we need to start by defining what, I think we can define non-tomato pretty easily, but what what is a sauce exactly? Yeah, I think that we have to really state this clearly because you could just do something like uh, roast some broccoli, toss it with pasta and eat it, but that's not a sauce. Right. right? So is like, is like spaghetti primavera, is that a sauce? Yes, because there is an aspect of it. There is something in it that coats the noodles. Okay, so coating the noodles. So it can be as chunky as you want as long as there's something that coats the noodles. Yeah, there has to be a a sort of liquidy or at the very least kind of viscous component that's going to coat the noodles in order for it to be a sauce. Otherwise, it's like a pasta salad. So if you took some roasted broccoli, just to play devil's advocate here, if you took Mm -hmm. some roasted broccoli and tossed it with your pasta along with some olive oil, would it then be a sauce? No, I think it has to be something that's like... Uh, I was going to say emulsified, but maybe that's taking it too far. Maybe, maybe that is taking it too. What do you? You've think? gone too far this time. What do you think? Time. I don't know. I was, I was looking forward to c- continuing to cross-examine you because I realized I haven't actually thought about. Okay, this. Okay. Well, so then let's let's I, let's take a step back. Okay. Let's exclude the broccoli. Okay. Let's exclude okay. the broccoli. So what if we're doing what is it the the pasta thing with just garlic and olive oil? Oh, alio olio. Yeah, maybe. Oh, that has red pepper flakes too. I guess. Well, okay. So, so yeah. does that make it a sauce? Just the fact that it's got three ingredients, <laughs> and you brown the garlic, or you know, you cook the garlic a little bit in the olive oil. I think that's totally a sauce because you know it's a, a flavored liquid that coats the pasta. So then, if you have pasta with olive oil and roasted broccoli and it's just tossed together is that a sauce but does the olive oil take on any flavor from the broccoli probably not no the olive oil in that in that sense is just to sort of moisten it and and give it a like a pleasing fat 
I don't know, but like butter and Parmesan, I, I feel like that's a sauce. I do too. I oh do too. boy, god. I didn't know this was going to be so hard. Oh my god, is this going to be on the SAT? Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> um, it's going to be on one of the. Oh god, what is it? Um, the analogies section. Oh like, yeah, which like you know something something is to sauce as something something is to broccoli right. and olive oil. Cement is to concrete as <laughs> alio olio is to what. <laughs> Yeah, just like <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still not, still not sure if I know the difference between cement I'm... and concrete. Oh, doesn't one of them have like bigger chunks of of rock in it, or or chunks of rock, and the other has only small pulverized rock? Oh, okay. So so the concrete is the broccoli thing we invented. Okay, great. So should we try and like come up with categories, or should we just talk about no, some of our talk, favorite? Let's non- just talk about let's stuff. Just, let's just shoot the breeze. Yeah, I mean. Ugh. Uh, whenever we try to impose order on this show, it, it just fails. We, we're not an orderly kind of show. Do you remember the time we uh, tried to institute a uniform policy? Oh my gosh, do I ever. I'm so you glad. You wanted me to come in a French maid outfit. And I was also wearing a matching French maid. I'm so <laughs> glad those photos never got out. Oh, me you know, knock on wood. I'm so glad Abby wasn't our production manager <laughs> then because, you know, we take pictures of pretty much, uh, you know, some component of every episode. Well, and, we forget half the time. Yeah, and we were able to... To destroy those pictures before anyone ever saw them. Yeah, we, we we only sent them to our closest friends via Snapchat. Yeah, I sent mine to Anthony Weiner. Oh yeah, and he he sent back some interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, we should yeah we should do a Weiner episode. I think we definitely should. Well, we've already we did. done oh, like right. Vienna sausages, and, yeah, little 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 Smokies. What did we call that episode? Meat sticks. Meat sticks. Okay, we should have called it Little Wieners. Okay, so we talked about. Uh, I mean, we mentioned butter and, and parmesan. What do you? Is that a sauce that you enjoyed as a kid? I think of that as being like a standard kid pasta. You know, here's the weird thing. I don't remember ever having it as a kid. Oh, I know that my husband did, and my husband actually was the first one to introduce me to butter and parmesan. He puts a teensy bit of garlic in there as well, which is kind of nice. Almost so little that you can't really taste it. So you're saying before you met your husband, um, you'd never tried butter? No, you <laughs> uh, did say he introduced you to butter. He introduced me to butter and parmesan on pasta as a sauce. Oh. I grew up with more of like a tomato sauce kind of thing happening with my pasta. Oh, I mostly did too, but I, I re- definitely remember having the uh, butter and parmesan. And I think I, I really enjoy it. I think, uh, you know, uh, I, I feel I feel some cheese snobbery coming on. I, I think um, I think it's really important to use the real cheese. I, I, I do too. I agree. I am completely willing to own up to my cheese snobbery. But I'm going to go a little further and I'm going to say, actually, I think that it is really hard to do better pasta sauce wise than butter and Parmesan. It's hard to, oh, it's hard to improve upon that. It really is. Yeah. It's perfect. It is perfect. Okay. So I, we're, we're going to get to this. I have, I have so many uh, bits of, of chopped herbs in my teeth. Oh like my God, me moving, too. moving around like I, there's some kind like, of colony in my mouth. Every time you talk, I'm like digging around yep, in yep. my mouth with my tongue. And every time I talk, you're busy digging around right. in I'm your thinking, mouth. Right. I'm thinking, I should be listening to what Molly's saying. But, but there's I'm like, just really fixated on this, this piece of parsley. There's so much uh, spelunking that needs to go on here. <laughs> cave diving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is cave diving a thing? Yeah. So I just read an article about extreme cavers in The New Yorker. And of course it was you did. amazing. But anyway, I learned that there are, you know, uh, bodies of water often at the at the bottom of caves. And cave diving is when you dive in those 
pools of water. Like often if you're trying to get from one, <laughs> sorry, I'm like gesturing, <laughs> just about to poke gesturing me. wildly. <laughs> no, it's like if you're trying to get from one cavern to another, sometimes the only way to get there is by going through a body of water, sort of like underneath like a little opening in the wall. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to have to draw a diagram. Please. Yeah. <laughs> I, we should, we'll include that diagram with, with the show notes. <laughs> Um, that anyway, sounds, that sounds absolutely terrifying. Absolutely like, terrifying. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I never, ever want to do that. Uh, me neither. Um, I read, I recently read a New York article about golf and that was scary enough. <laughs> I think I skipped that one. <laughs> it was pretty good. Moving right along. Uh, what about like the, the alio, olio, olalio? You know, one? we didn't do this and, uh, it's not too late, but we're probably too lazy. I, I would be interested to taste the alio, olio and the butter and parmesan side by side because they they look so similar and they're like the two most basic pasta sauces i think but i bet they taste really different mm-hmm. one's one's about garlic and the other is about cheese i feel right? like i feel like one is like lydia bastianich and the other is like sophia loren oh i was i was i'm so glad you said that because i was as i was starting to say that i'm like wow i've got no analogy here whatsoever do, do, I, do you I just see where got I'm going? a zero on the sat i feel like the 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 oil and garlic one is sophia loren like it's, oh it's i know spicy. i knew exactly what you meant it's hot it's hot i sort of feel like you're insulting lydia bastianich she's lydia i care about you but you're not Sophia Loren. I'm not Sophia Loren either. It's okay. All right. That's fair. Great. Okay. I, by the way, I'm not either. <laughs> I'm glad we cleared that up. <laughs> uh, even, even in my uniform. So let's move on to talk about other things that form a sauce on pasta. It, it, can you tell us about the one you made today? Because I think that a lot of people don't think about egg yolk in pasta outside of carbonara. Yeah. And this is the only... The only sauce Wait, of this Wait, we should type. talk about carbonara. Oh, should we talk about that first? Let's talk about oh, carbonara. Oh, I love carbonara. I love carbonara. So, uh, <laughs> eggs, beaten eggs, uh, pecorino, romano, bacon, or pancetta, or guanciale, which is cured pork oh, jowl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And a black pepper, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Black pepper. Do you, when you're making it, do you just sort of like beat the eggs in a bowl and dump the hot pasta in there? Or do you actually put the eggs like in a skillet with the, the noodles? I, I put the eggs in a skillet with the noodles that I, I've tried to like take the skillet off the heat okay. far enough in advance that the eggs aren't going to scramble. I mean, I think, I think the thing people worry about with carbonara, and I, I certainly worry about this, is like, you know, if it, the eggs are undercooked, it's gross. If the eggs are overcooked, it's uh, gross in a different way. Like, it's, it's hard to hit the sweet spot. There's probably, there are probably tricks. There must be tricks. But I, I share your fear because I really don't like egg snot. Yeah, that's bad. But at the same time, nobody wants scrambled eggs with pasta. I mean, I love scrambled eggs, but I don't. I don't think I want them scrambled around my pasta. Yeah. So, like the throw it in the skillet and pray approach is is basically the same thing I did for today's recipe, which is a recipe from the Pasta Bible, uh, which is a book from a few years ago that uh, has this great picture on the cover. And I'm like, ooh, I'm going to make that. I wonder if that'll be good. And it was good. And I've never made anything else from the book. But it's uh, originally made with Mezze Manique Rigate, which we talked about on the Pasta Shapes ep- episode. It's the uh, like half rigatoni. I just used regular rigatoni because I couldn't find half rigatoni. Uh, and the sauce, you uh, sweat some scallions. Now I'm gesturing. Wow, um, you really we're, are. We're like, turning woo. Italian over over the course of this episode. Okay. We, we should get Italian-made uniforms. 
<laughs> That's a thing, right? <laughs> I'm sure it must be a thing. So you uh, you sweat the scallions in uh, in a skillet in butter for like 15 minutes on really low heat. And then you throw in some uh, grated Parmigiano, chopped Italian parsley, an egg yolk, and uh, some uh, salt and a little bit of the pasta cooking water to uh, to bring it all together. And then you throw in the pasta and, and toss it just, just till the egg is barely starting to thicken. And it's really beautiful the way that it really coats the noodles. Yeah. I mean, it becomes sort of like this um, beautiful textured sauce, really. Yeah. How do you feel about cream sauces? I like a cream sauce. I feel like they're hard to do well and have them not be heavy. Yeah. Um, and they congeal really quickly. If you notice that, they get really kind of weird and gloppy. And I think it's also really easy to under-season anything with cream yeah. because it's sort of, it's like this white wave that washes out everything in its path. You know, this. You know, there's a recipe that I've always wanted to try that I think could be the perfect use of cream with pasta. And it's, you know, you, you I can't remember what it's called. It's shown up in many different cookbooks, but basically it's a lot of lemon zest and some lemon juice oh. and cream. So you get this like really bright sort of fragrant quality from the lemon. The cream sort of cuts down any bitterness it's basically like a lemon cream pasta. Nice. Yeah. If you were in a cave, if you were trapped in a cave, which which non-tomato pasta sauce would you bring with you? Oh, I think that I would really want something. I think I'd want a carbonara. I was going to say that yeah, too. Yeah, I think the bacon would feel really warming because, you know, it's going to be cold down there and really humid. I hear that you can actually like start growing weird funguses on your hands just from the humidity and the, you know, the the... Yeah. But luckily it's so dark you can't see them. I guess not. Oh, you've got your headlamp on though. Oh, but until it until the light flickers out and and all hope is lost. Yes. Exactly. Oh god, I never want to go into a cave. So Okay, so wait, but speaking of bacon, sorry, can I can I interrupt? Yeah. So I think I think my cave pasta might actually be uh pasta alla Grecia. Have you ever had this? No. Um I think it means Greek style, but I don't know why. It's kind of like Do you know uh pasta amatriciana mm-hmm. with the uh, um tomatoes, onions and bacon mm-hmm. or one of the other cured meats? It's like that without the tomatoes, so it's um it's it's onions and a lot of olive oil and bacon or pancetta or guanciale and a lot of black pepper. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's sort of sort of carbonara related and sort of amatriciana related. How do you make it so that it all comes together? Is it like a combination of bacon fat and olive oil? It sort of carries the flavor onto the noodles. Yes. Okay, that sounds great. Do you have a recipe for it that we could put up on the old website? I bet I do. Okay. Uh, there's a good recipe for it in uh, Lynn Rosetto Casper's The Italian Country Table, a uh, cookbook I know we've mentioned many times. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. You know, I really wish I'd known about Squarespace when I was starting out with my blog because I know nothing about web design, website building. I'm basically like, I'm like your mom, Matthew. I'm basically like your mom. (laughs) Yeah, in so many ways. In so many ways. And, you know, Squarespace has all these gorgeous templates. It's simple. It's easy. And more importantly, I could live chat with a support person there 24-7 when I'm lonely 
when Brandon's not home. I'm not sure if, if the, ser- <laughs> the service you're describing no? is something Squarespace actually provides. Now, now, to be clear, they absolutely do provide 24-7 support. I'm just not sure if you can use it as a substitute for your friends and family. Okay. You know, you can go to Squarespace. Um, you'll get started building your website for free. You'll sign up for a free trial with no credit card. Uh, it's incredibly simple. They have a drag and drop interface. You're going to choose a beautiful template. You're going to have a great looking website in a matter of I would say less than half an hour for, for your first try. The other thing is that Squarespace is going to make sure that your website looks great, whether you're on a laptop, whether you're using X, Y, or Z browser, whether you're on your iPhone, it's going to look great everywhere. I call that responsive design. Wow, what do you call You're it? so fancy. And, uh, you know, we would like to hear from you. You know, uh, a while back, we, we put out a call for uh, uh, listener uh, Squarespace websites, and we uh, published uh, links to a bunch of them on our Facebook page, and you guys are creating some really cool stuff. And I know more of you have been signing up for Squarespace since then. Um, so uh, leave a, drop a link on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Podcast, or drop us an email at uh, contact at spilledmilkpodcast.com and uh, let us know what you got. And for a free trial and 10% off your first purchase, visit squarespace.com and enter the offer code cookie at checkout. Squarespace, a better web starts with your website. You know, another recipe that I want to be sure and talk about that also uses onions as sort of a primary flavor component, like the pasta allegricia, is something that I first, I first found it, I think, in the San Francisco Chronicle food section, like 10 or 15 years ago. I thought you were going to say I first found it in a cave. I first found it in a cave, growing on the wall of a cave. Boy, anything tastes good when you've been down there (laughs) for like three days. That is, that is quite a recommendation. No, it is a Mario Batali recipe that uh, came by the name of Rigatoni with Five Lilies. Oh, I know the one you mean. It's in the Babo cookbook. Is right? it in the Babo yeah. cookbook? Okay. Anyway, uh, the idea is that, you know, onions, scallions, all these things are part of the Allium family. And the Allium family is also the family that lilies belong to. Yes. Right? Okay. Well, so, you know, it's just kind of a fancy way of saying like pasta with five different types of onion. Yeah. Do you remember what, what all of them are? Yeah. Go. So, so five types of onion or you failed the SAT. A sweet onion, red onion, scallion, garlic, and leek. Nice. I'm pretty sure that's it. I think that's it. Anyway, and you basically cook them all uh, so that they are really soft and sweet. They're not they don't take on color. They don't caramelize. They just sort of sweat the way that I think you probably did with your, your scallion in our, our sauce that you were just talking about. It becomes really sweet, and there's a lot of it. So you toss your rigatoni. The, there's so much oniony and onion-like stuff that it, it really does give a lot of flavor to the pasta. And I feel like there's almost as much onion-type stuff as there is pasta. And then you put ricotta salata on top Ooh, of it. Oh, like the... the- the hard kind of crumbly yeah. salty ricotta. Yeah. It's really really nice. Yeah, that's a really good recipe. You we know also link, we'll link to that. Also in that same cookbook, uh the Babo cookbook, there's um a recipe for pasta with parsnips and pancetta. Ooh. Um, yeah, it's hard to say on a microphone without bad things happening. Uh, and it's real, and it's uh, also got a lot of black pepper, I think. And again, it sort of uh, blurs the line between sauce and non-sauce. I think it probably has a lot of olive oil or butter, but I don't remember. It's mm-hmm. it's really good. You mm-hmm. you you saute the parsnips. Yeah, it's great. You know, aside from butter and parmesan, okay, my very favorite non-tomato pasta sauce is a type that I've only learned about in the past few years, and it's something that I think is really common in Italy 
but rarely makes it over here. And it, it is a vegetable-based sauce that basically consists of taking a vegetable and cooking the living daylights out of it. I know what you're talking about. Until it turns into a mushy sauce. My favorite, ve- my favorite vegetable to use for this is eggplant. Yes, we and, talked about this on the eggplant episode. Yeah, Francis Lamb has a recipe. We'll link to it. Uh, it's from the old Gourmet Magazine website. Yeah, basically you just, uh, you know, you salt some eggplant slices, you cube them up, you cook the crap out of them with some olive oil. At the end, I think you do add in a little bit of uh, either tomato paste or sort of chopped up oven roasted tomatoes. But it's a tiny amount, like two tablespoons. And it is so wonderful the way that the sort of uh, eggplant mash, it's very sort of slippery with olive oil, the way that it coats pasta. It is fantastic. I'm sorry. It's so got tomatoes savory. in it. Disqualified. Oh, my God. You know, I've done the same thing with zucchini. You can cook the crap out of zucchini, too. I have, to bring it around to the beginning, done the same thing with broccoli. It was a recipe from oh, Biba really? Caggiano. Yes. And uh, you cook the broccoli till it f- falls apart. It looks terrible and tastes great. I bet it becomes a very drab green. Yeah. The, the eggplant one kind of looks like death also. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that sounds great. Can we f- dig up that broccoli recipe somewhere and link to it on the site? Or Maybe. Maybe? Okay. I don't know which book it's in or whether I own it. Great. Um, but okay. uh, maybe maybe we'll, we'll, do, we'll do a little spelunking and see but if we yeah, can turn we'll, that up. We'll spelunk. Um, you know, we go into so many caves, it is bound to be in one of them. Uh, what else have we not talked about? Oh, God. Um, so many things. Oh, my um, God. Oh, pesto. Whoa. Oh. You know, Can you imagine the mail we would have gotten if we hadn't mentioned pesto on this whole episode? I know. I'm so glad we mentioned pesto. All right. You know, and I'm... Well, let's move on. (laughs) Great. Done. Pesto. Delicious. It's delicious stuff. Okay, Molly actually brought some pesto uh-huh. today. wasn't my finest outing, but it was, oh, it was tasty. Oh, it was good. It's fine. Yeah. It's a little correcting. Do you bring pesto everywhere you go? Oh, yeah. I just keep a little bit in the glove compartment. A little pesto in your purse? Yeah. I, I learned when I was cave diving <laughs> that it's good to always keep a little pesto on hand. That's right. Yeah, I keep an oxygen tank and a pesto tank. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, need, do you need an oxygen tank? I guess if you're diving, you do. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you do. And do you need a pesto tank? Always. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even driving. Sometimes I just get hungry and I'm like, oh, got to strap on the old pesto tank. Oh, this is a good idea. Yeah. Road trips, man. Oh, you could. Oh, but you could. It'd that be like, and a catheter. Just slip in a catheter and hook oh, up wow. your pesto tank and you can go for like 12 hours straight without And if you stopping. connect them together, you can make <laughs> a, like a continuous loop. Yes. Ugh. <laughs> Why did I say that? <laughs> Why did we go down that path? Uh, right. Oh. That's what the pesto said. So tell me about your pesto. Well, I do a basic basil pesto. I think there, you know, there's a real trend these days towards making pestos with anything. But I sounds like, like you decry this trend. I kind of like a basil pesto. Yeah, I do. And I use olive oil, usually pine nuts. I used pine nuts today. Sometimes I use walnuts instead of pine nuts. A little bit of garlic and uh, Parmesan cheese. I think I might take what's left. And actually stir a little bit of ricotta into mm. it. I think that's really nice, too, because basil sometimes has a little bit of bitterness that is a little hard to correct. Yeah, I, I thought your basic pesto was great. I have made a cilantro pesto in the past a couple of times that I really liked, and probably I can find that recipe somewhere. Maybe it had walnuts in it. Mm. Um yeah, because I mean, I think, uh, you know, you can improvise up a pesto with whatever herbs and nuts and cheeses you have on hand. And it's never it's never going to be terrible. No. But there is there, there's a reason the 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 basil pesto became synonymous with pesto. 
Yes. Right. Okay, I got I got one more, and then maybe maybe we should stop there and leave the rest for. Uh, I mean, not that I'm trying to get the last word in pasta sauce. Of course, feel, you are. Feel Just free. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. feel free to jump mm-hmm. in. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the the late Judy Rogers had this in the the Zuni Cafe cookbook uh, has this wonderful recipe for a uh, sauce of corn, sweet corn, and pancetta. And I think I've mentioned it on the show before, and um, I will I will pull it up. I'm just off the top of my head. The thing I remember it best for is having the most incredible amount of butter. It cannot be believed. Oh, I can top that, though. Oh, okay. I have made and written about on my blog a recipe of James Beard's that is um, an onion pasta, much more basic than the rigatoni. I think I read about it in the onion. Yeah, in the onion. Yeah. (laughs) I caught you there. I got that. See, nothing gets past me. Great. Uh, (laughs) Anyway... I think it uses something like two sticks of butter for like four servings of pasta. Okay, I think I think you win. I think this it's, one uses ten tablespoons of butter. So I think I wound up cutting it back a little bit when I made it because I, I was so scared. I think does, I cut it back to maybe one stick or one and a half sticks. Does yours also have bacon? Because mine does. No, mine doesn't have bacon. Okay. You win. You um, win. I don't know. It depends Fine. how much how much bacon is. Anyway. Uh, we can probably pull up that recipe, or it's in the Zuni Cafe cookbook, which you'd, you should own anyway. And Everybody uh, should own that book. God, really, everybody. Everybody should own the Zuni Cafe cookbook. I don't actually own it. Are you serious? I'm serious. Did you have it and you gave it away? Yeah, I think it, there was... What? But I, I regretted it. <laughs> oh my God, Matthew. Hold up. You kept, like, Nigella Lawson's Christmas cookbook? <laughs> I mean, I, I love Nigella, but a Christmas cookbook, you're only going to use that like one month of the year, and you got rid of the Zuni Cafe cookbook. The Zuni Cafe cookbook, which has no tits on the cover. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Fine. I'm sorry, we'll cut that part out. Yeah, right, we're going to cut this part out. <laughs> All right, anyway, so um, that is uh, part... I'm, I'm looking for other ridiculous cookbooks. Oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Keep keep going. I'll, I'll do the outro here. That was, that was uh, part oh one. Oh, my God, you have at least three cookbooks that are only about cupcakes. Matthew, how can you call yourself a man? <laughs> um, they, uh, uh, I only read them for the articles. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't care about the frosting. I only read them for the cake part. Yeah. All right, so uh, that was that was part one of, of an endless string, no doubt, of pasta sauce episodes. And uh, so you can find us online at uh, spilledmilkpodcast.com, where we'll post uh, some subset of those 17 recipes we just mentioned. Yeah. Um, and a list of cookbooks I should be ashamed of. Maybe we'll also post a link to that article about uh, extreme caving. Oh, I, is it online? Yeah. It is online, and The New Yorker uh, has made all of its articles since 2007 free. Free. Whoa, why did they do that? I have no idea. They've taken down the paywall for a while. That's truly extreme. It's pretty awesome. So we should link to that extreme caving article. Yeah, I've been enjoying The New Yorker a lot more since they went to all extreme sports coverage. Yeah, Um, extreme golf. Yeah, downhill rocket sled racing (laughs) and like uh, uh, saber-toothed tiger fighting and all kinds of good stuff. (laughs) And uh, you can find us on uh, Facebook at facebook.com slash spilledmilkpodcast. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can leave us a review on iTunes. Um, and, uh, you can, uh, you can break into our house and and look at our cookbook collection. And, uh, until next time, thank you for listening to, uh, Spilled Milk, the show that's sweet. And there's a lot of it. (laughs) 
which, is, which is something you said earlier, and I wrote it down because I'm like, oh, this is going to be funny at the end. And then you didn't know what I was talking about, and it wasn't that funny. All right. I, I'm Molly Weisenberg. And I'm Matthew Burton. To infinity and beyond. <laughs> and I'm the, the wooden guy. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.